Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everything that you're doing, you're doing with your card. You will have no privacy whatsoever with your own cash. You can open the zip and take the sandwich. Crow. It's just incredible. People drink responsibly and people drink irresponsibly. And then we have trouble outside. Join the conversation. Call 0818 9696 Extra WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with P. Jay Coogan. Oh, 96 FM. Morning, morning. Lovely morning out there. Gorgeous. I'm not too sure it's going to stay with us across the weekend, but we'll take it as we get it. And do you notice now, I've been saying it for a while, every morning now is just that little bit brighter, that little bit earlier. You'll notice it more next week. You'll really start noticing it the week after next when it'll be pretty much getting bright before 7 o'clock. It's really nice to see it back. It's lovely, actually. I love this time of the year. Friday morning. Listen, hard luck to Aaron Hill yesterday. I went and got a stream and I was watching the match. It was on um, on Discovery Plus and I managed to get to watch it yesterday afternoon and I was so disappointed for him after knocking Mark Selby aside as if he wasn't even there. He slumped then yesterday afternoon to a 4-1 defeat to a fabulous young Chinese player called Fan. But you know what, kid? That happens in sport. You take a huge scalp like Selby and then you go out the following day and it just doesn't happen for you. That happens in sport. That's part of becoming what you will be, which is a great uh, in snooker. I'm a huge supporter of Aaron, of Aaron Hill and he'll be back. There'll be another event in the next week or two. Right, let me take you back to Wednesday morning, which of course was Valentine's Day and we were talking a lot about that. But uh, my first call on Wednesday morning was from Emma. Emma's car had been stolen from outside her house and she was quite upset on the phone. I'd just driven home from Marymount and I parked up my driveway and um, I think it was taken within a very short period of time. Losing the car itself is bad enough, but losing what was in the back of it. Yeah, yeah. So um, my mum is in Marymount uh, at the moment. And on Sunday, um, she had asked me to bring over a bag of, you know, her valuable possessions. Also, um Within the bag, she, I'd kind of packed a, I had a sister who also passed away from breast cancer five years ago. And um, I had packed photos of her, original photos and um, medals, which you laugh at this. I always attach my sister's miraculous medals to my bra. And I'd ironically taken them off on Sunday night. <laughs> and um, I said, look, I'll put them into mom's bag to mind her and keep her safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put the medals into the bag. Um, I put a bottle of perfume that used to belong to my sister. Um, it, it's Britney Spears' Curious Perfume. <laughs> and not a very nice smelling perfume, but it reminds us of her. And um, a lovely scarf that belonged to Sheena as well. Um, so it was just, you know, uh, possessions that meant a lot, I suppose, to, to me and and to my mum. Yeah. Um, and I left them 
in because I suppose when you're walking in those doors of Marymount, you forget a lot of things and yeah. uh, you know there's a lot of emotions going through your head at the time and I forgot to bring in the bag and when I parked my car up in the driveway I also forgot to bring them in home. She was asking me yesterday about her rosary beads you know could I bring them in and I couldn't tell her where the rosary beads are and she's obviously not listening to 96 FM right now she's listening she, ordinarily she would she's listening to Lyric FM this morning because I made the Mary nurses make sure that she wasn't because she doesn't know about my stolen car now Emma there's news about the car um, but you also learned another lesson in life this week that if you didn't know it before we can't fool our mothers can we good morning Morning, PJ. How are you this morning? I'm all right. We can't fool them, can we? Um, absolutely not. Well, you can't fool Mary Murphy, anyways. Um, I so I had uh, managed. I thought to keep the story from her all day, and I'd convinced all the nurses in Marymount, um, not to mention a word of this to her. And so I, I, I spend most of my days inside in Marymount at the moment. So I thought it, it, all of this had been kept from her. And um, I skipped away for dinner for an hour and I came back an hour later. And I was sitting down with my two brothers and my mom looked at me and she was like, geez, Emma, you look really tired. Would you? I'm, I'm, not, I'm worried about you that you're not eating and you just look exhausted. Would you look after yourself? I want you to go home now and just rest for the evening. And I was like, no, mom, I will, I will, I will. And then she was like, oh, no, sure, you can't go home. Your car was stolen. <laughs> and I, my heart just sank. Can you hear me, PJ? Sorry. Yes, of course I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, can't sorry, go home. I, you can... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can hear like you loud. Oh, yeah, I can hear you properly. Loud yeah, so... Yeah, my, my my heart sank. I just started bawling, crying. I, I I I just couldn't believe it. I was like, what? How do you know that my car had been stolen? And she was like, oh, sure, I, I have no idea how. I, I know, but I know. Sure, it's only a feckin' car. Would you, would you stop? <laughs> and um, I, but I was still, the, the tears were coming and coming. And I was like, oh my, this is the last thing I wanted for you to be worried she was like, Emma, it's okay. It's only a car. And then I explained to her what was in the car. And she was like, look, they're all replaceable. And I said, I had photos of Sheena and I had her scarf and her clothes and her lovely green coat. And then she kind of stopped and said, oh, my lovely green fancy coat. <laughs> and I said, yeah, mom, that coat. And she was like, ah, sure, look, they're all replaceable. Yeah. So I... I was still in floods of tears, but I said to her, I said, look, I've been on the radio. I've shared the story all over social media. Now, my mom tr finds it hard at the best of times to get her head around social media. She thinks Facebook's Instagram, they're all kind of the same thing. So I wasn't even going to go into that. But I had said I'd been on to um, 96 FM that morning. Mm. And um, she was like, she's all, all of this happened. She was like, well, I was listening to Lyric FM because I was told to. So <laughs> um, I was like, well, mom, I'd all that organized. Um, the nurse came in and she was like, I was wondering because they took away my phone from me, the remote control. And but sure, you know, I apply. I obliged. 
So anyways, I was like, would you like to listen to the podcast? And she was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to listen to it. And now I, I'd warned her. I said to her, look, whatever I'm saying, I was only exaggerating for radio, which, I, you know, because I didn't want her to hear how upset mm-hmm. I was or I am. Um, so I don't know if she believed that, by the way. But anyways, we tur- turned on the podcast. Emma Murphy, you can't fool your mother. You know that, don't you? I know, I know, I know, I know. So I know, listen, I've been trying to fool my mother, PJ, for what, I'm 40 years of age now for 35 years and she always yeah. catches me out. But yeah. she caught me out big time this time. So I played the podcast and um, she was holding my hand tightly through it all and she, you know, she didn't say anything. And the, the part where I started to talk about her and, um, how you know, how much she means to me, um, she just held my hand tighter and tighter. And listen, I tell my mother every day how much she means to me, how special she is. And every single day, there's a, not a day that goes by because um, we have this incredible bond that mm-hmm. a lot of people know about. Um and at the end of it, I, I was like, Mom, are you crying? And she was like, I am not. Would you leave me alone? But she she was crying. I was like, why are you crying? And she was like, oh, well, I, I'm upset because you have to go. You have to go through all of this and you, you couldn't tell me. And I, I, I'd tell my mom everything, but anything that worries her, I wouldn't. Yeah. Um. So at the end of the conversation I was sitting there with my two brothers and we had listened to the podcast and it was kind of um, a cathartic moment. Next thing my phone rang and that day I'd been experiencing a lot of scam calls, a lot of people um, trying to extort money from me to give me my um, possessions back. Um, So I just thought it was another call. And, but I had a sense and all day I had this sense. And my mom said to me, she said, Emma, don't worry that 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 car will be found. Mm. So it was a lovely girl. And she said, I can see your car from where I'm standing. And I didn't believe her. And I said, can you go over and check on what's in the car? And she said, well, there's a box of tennis balls in the back of your car, which I always, always keep. Um, a box of tennis balls because I play tennis with the kids in school, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And this was just so, a random, or this wasn't a guard or anybody. This was just people, yeah, right? No, right, no, okay. it was a lovely, lovely, lovely girl. I'm not going to say where it was or anything, sure, sure, but sure. a love, yeah, lovely girl. Um, and she was absolutely thrilled. Um, to make the phone call, I could hear her boyfriend in the background shouting, "Tell her there's tennis balls. Tell her there's this." That you know, they were overly excited. So. My mom was there. She was present for all of this. And mom was just there. She was just sitting there. I'm not able for all of this drama at all. Jesus, Mary and St. Joseph. God almighty. I'm inside here in Mary Mountain. Christ almighty. Excuse my language. Now, I'm not able for this at all. Your mother is a hole. Do you know that? Your mother is a hole. Oh, she's, oh, listen, PJ, everyone knows that. She's hilarious. She was like, I have a few, I have a few weeks left now and God almighty, this is going to take me. And, you know, so she was like, give me a break. So anyways, I left the room for a minute and I came back in and I was like, mom, my car has been found. Um, So she was like, she was just looking and she was like, 
are, are you sure? Are you sure now you're not going to go up and get robbed or anything? Or I was like, no, I have a feeling, mom, it's my car. Mm-hmm. So my brother drove us, drove myself up to where the car was and the lovely lady and her partner were there to greet us and my car was there, everything was intact. Now the only thing I saw which um, held and probably holds the the most value to me is my mum's lovely, as she calls it, her love lovely, warm, fancy coat. Oh, the green coat. For, so you could see that? Yeah. I could see the green coat um, now, I couldn't see anything else, but do you know what, PJ? I, 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 I'm at peace with whatever is or isn't inside there. Um, the green coat in itself is, is enough for me. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's just, I, 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 my mom rang me normally these days, you know, because she's is on a lot of medication. She rang me at half 10 that night and um, she rang me and she was like, where are you? And I was like, mom, I'm in bed. And she was like, Jesus, Jesus, Mary and St. Joseph, I thought you were robbed and it was all a set up. And um, I was like, no, mom, mom, it's okay. I'm in bed. The car, the guards have the car. They have to take the fingerprints, everything. And she was like, oh, God, I can rest easy tonight. So um, the car is found. Now it's with SOS at the minute. So um, I'm not sure in what's going to be yeah. in the car. Yeah. But look, the green coat is in there. The coat is there. Um, the car is found. The coat, the car is found. Um, it looks to be in perfect condition. Um, wow! It's you know, it's just everything. It's like the stars aligned, isn't it, Emma? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, PJ? It's uh, I, I think I may have mentioned this on the radio the other day. So many people shared my post. Mm-hmm. So many people offered me lifts to Marymount. People who I know through other people, so, and I shared all of this with my mom. And it just, it makes her feel a bit easier that I suppose that people are looking after me as well, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it's, as I mentioned, I am not going to get upset. I'm, you know, it's, um, it's an incredibly difficult time. It's a tough time, time because... for you and your mom and everybody else. It's a tough, tough time. Yeah. 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 It is. It is. It is. It's mm-hmm. because. And this didn't make it any is... easier. No, 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 no. It, 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 it's not and I just you know I, I'd love to she's the most I said this the other day as well she is the most wonderful beautiful lady and everyone who's met her inside in Marymount is deeply touched by her the chaplain came in the other day now PJ don't mind me I talk a lot I'm like my mother okay. I've is she listening by the way doesn't fall for her. <laughs> sorry is she listening uh, she is absolutely not. Hello, Mary. But she. Hello, Mary. We'll find her on the podcast if you're not listening. Hello, Mary. You have a good girl here, you she'll know. Be, <laughs> she'll be listening later. Uh, I I had to. It, it, depending on what I said and depending on how upset I was going to get, but she is just like even the chaplain came in the other day to speak to us and I was in the room at the time and he just said to us he said I can sense the bond between the two of you and he said it was the most enjoyable conversation he had in his years in Marymount because 
you know, we were talking about things he probably ordinarily wouldn't talk about with people who were on the brink of death in Marymount, where his mom was talking about her flowers blooming in her garden and her daughter who doesn't moisturise her face at night when she tells her to, and, you know, and her husband who isn't looking after the garden and is putting the flowers in the wrong place. And, <laughs> Real you know, stuff. So. Real stuff. Real stuff, and that's you know you have to through all of all of this heartbreak and pain. It's you know you have to laugh. You do, you do. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's she's still doing it. She her spirit, PJ, is just incredible. We we put um we put a little notice up on her board every day. Yesterday it was you have to keep one foot and put one front foot in front of the other and keep going. Mm-hmm. That was her motto for yes, sorry, the day before. And yesterday it was carpe diem, meaning seize the day in whatever way you can. And that's her motto in life. You just have to keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's. Well, I am. I, know, I'm beyond thrilled for all of you that the car yeah. was found. I really yeah. am. It's, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. And to the person who found it, I went to the trouble of ringing you. Yeah. You know, and, and whatever. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Come here, just amazing. one last thing there before I let you go. You mentioned it in passing, and I said it made a note of it. You said that there were scam calls and people trying to extort money out of you. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, uh, they, there were, there were a few calls, few, um, messages um and i suppose at the time you know when you're so desperate Mm -hmm. you'd be willing to do anything but um luckily i have a very intelligent partner who is probably um geez i'd hate to admit that now but far more intelligent than i am and far more savvy um i hope she's not listening either to that um but she warned me against engaging in anything of the kind. So um, I didn't, I passed all, but people uh, are asking for 350 euro to give me back all my possessions. And thankfully I didn't, but listen, PJ, that was only, uh, I'd say that was only about 10 people. And I've had about 5,000 people sharing my post. So if there's 10 unkind people and five, thousand kind people I'll take that. You will, won't you? And another thing yeah. to put up on the wall uh, with Mary now is definitely, you can't fool me. <laughs> I know, I know, I've been listen, do you know what she does every single morning? She when When she was living at home She'd shout downstairs and and I would think she's sound asleep. Make sure you're wearing your coat and put on the holy water. And she'd look out her window, shout down at me, you're not wearing your coat. And, and you're going, mother, I'm 40 for pity. <laughs> she, she knows every single thing, absolutely every single thing. <sighs> so I, I can't fool her and... I, <laughs> I've learned my lesson. So from here on in, I'm just going to be honest with her. Okay, <laughs> and I'll moisturise my face at night because she noticed. And I put, and put on your coat. My face. 
and I'll put on my coat and I'll make sure I'm eating more because she t- she told me yesterday that I've more wrinkles than I've ever had before because I look more tired. Yeah, the, 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 your mother will always tell you the truth also, won't she? Do you know, she'll Absolutely. always tell you what you yeah. need to hear, not what you want to hear. We'll be thinking of you and of the, the wonderful, wonderful Mary Murphy in the days and weeks ahead, yeah. Emma. The messages we were getting in just telling us how wonderful yeah. she was and people who know you talking about you as well. Listen, I'm yeah. so delighted that you'll get the car back, you'll get the stuff back. Mom will have her green coat and she'll have peace. And 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 it's it's wonderful, wonderful story. You tell it so so well. I, and we're and delighted. We might Cork, we might have played PJ, some. Go on, go on. The people of Cork. I uh, that's why I wanted to come on to thank everyone. They're, 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 honestly, the Cork people. I hope nobody in Dublin or anywhere else is listening to this. But the Cork people, they are the kindest, kindest, kindest people. Yeah, well. Ever, I, I, last thing, and you'll tell me, you'll have to tell me to shut up. Come then on, I, I was over in Thrive Coffee uh, across from Bishopstown. You know the new Bishopstown there. Yeah. Uh, um, yesterday, and they asked me how I was, and I just started crying, and I just said I'm not in a very good place. Well, they handed me a free coffee, two protein balls, because they also told me I look really tired and needed a boost of energy. I don't think you'd get that anywhere else no. in the world no, or no. in Ireland. So but you know, unless you. Go to la- a laugh now. I remember a conversation I was told about between a dub and a Corkman. And the Dublin fella yeah. says, Do you know what really annoys me about you fellas in Cork? And he said, What? Do you think you're the best? Do you think you're the greatest? Do you think you're the devil yeah. and all? And your man says, No, yeah. boy, you're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. We know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, I've known this for a long time, but I know it with certainty this time. Right. So please, everyone, continue being kind and let's be kind to one another. And, you know, all these messages that I'm getting, geez, it would be great if I was getting these messages every day telling me how wonderful <laughs> I was. <laughs> Emma, listen, it's been, I, I, yeah. on, in difficult circumstances, it's been a pleasure to speak with you over the last few days. And we are delighted for you, Emma. Murphy, thank you. Our regards and love to Mary. How are you, Mary? She's a good girl. You know that, don't you? You do. And she will wear her coat and she will take her moisturizer, put on her moisturizer. Iris is bawling listening to Emma. Such a wonderful story. Faith in humanity restored. Bless Mrs. Murphy and family, says Lisa. Lads, I'm laughing and crying at the same time. Thank God for the car being found, says Mick. 0818 96 96 96. I think that's Friday officially made. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM You want the biggest hits? Well, what a bit of um, real 90s. Be unreal. Other people would be like, you want to hear your song? I'm like, yes. Love it. What a tune. You got them right here. The Hit Mix. The Hit Mix. On Cork's 96 FM. I want new music. I want to hear that new tune. Fresh. Fresh new music. The Hit Mix with Brian McAvoy. Everything I drop is a banger. The Hit Mix. On your smart speaker. On your phone. And on your radio. Weeknights from 8. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, we don't know yet how they started and took... uh, Emma's car, but at least it's back. Uh, she has it back, and once it's released for 
after a forensic examination and all that, she'll get her stuff back to her mom, which is it's fantastic. It's fabulous. But a couple of things we were reading during the week about car theft and how they're getting into the cars these days, because there's no physical damage done to the car. So people are asking how are the thieves getting in. If you have one of these keyless things or these fobs that you keep in your pocket or your bag and you walk up to the car and the door clicks open uh, there's that's keyless entry um, there's a lot of keyless car theft it, event- it essentially involves someone getting access to the frequency or the code that goes between your fob and your car and once they have that then they can they can open it open it with a phone or they can program another fob it, or they can just use a button it's like a remote control it's risky but the technology is out there there's little wireless transmitters now you buy them for a few bucks on, on, on the web and that's one way of doing it if you have an app some of the really modern cars and some of the electric cars use an app to open and lock the car again that can be that can be intercepted and some of them use the same technology. Some cars, I was reading an article at the week or the last couple of days about some technology is as simple as the thing you use to tap with your phone to pay for a coffee and a donut or tap with your car. Same kind of technology. So you need to be careful of that. There are pouches, little pouches, little Faraday pouches or little boxes that you can put your things into and no one can pick up on on the on the frequencies. There's a new thing then. This is brand new. And I read about this and I couldn't believe it. There's a fellow called Dr. Ken German. He's a vehicular crime consultant. Yes, there are such things. And he was writing on LinkedIn recently about can injection bypass. What on earth is that, PJ? Can injection bypass. This is a little gadget. Again, you can buy it on online for 10 or 15 quid. It's actually smaller than a mobile phone. And what they do is they take a tiny little piece off the car. It might just be the corner of a light or go up under the bumper, find a bit of wire, pull out the bit of wire, cut the bit of wire, attach this thing in and they have access to the car's onboard computer and they can disable the locks that way. Some of them even work wirelessly because some cars have a wireless network within them. And if they can activate that, they can override it. The technology is just scary. And it's all out there, and it's all accessible for a few quid. Uh, particularly in high-end cars. The newer and more modern and more high-end the car, the more gadgetry is out there t- to break into it and take it away from you. I'm joined on the phone now by Sergeant Michael O'Connell, who is a Garda Crime Prevention Officer at Anglesey Street Station. Michael, we've had quite an amount of car thefts reported recently. There's... Emma over the last few days and I was talking earlier to Lady in Carrigaline earlier in the week about her car there's a lot of it out there and a lot of new technology enabling the thief to gain entry to modern cars. Morning. Uh, good morning PJ and, and thanks for the opportunity to, to speak on the programme. Um, as you say yes, uh, cars are definitely getting a lot more modern and sophisticated and in that regard we have to try and keep up with it and our advice really as always, is for people to be vigilant um, and be responsible with their vehicles. I suppose your house is probably the most expensive thing you'll ever buy, and the second largest purchase you'll ever have is your car. So we you know, encourage people to protect their investment by keeping it safe and secure. Um, with these keyless car- cars especially, we, we encourage people to use these Faraday bags. They're kind of a small, like a small little wallet. Yeah. 
you know, if people are, are responsible for their vehicles and keep their cards safe or their keyless cards in these bags or in their, just for example, let's say a lady has it in her handbag, then it's very hard to penetrate for anyone to get or intercept or get the codes they require to get into the vehicle. Don't leave it lying around, especially at home. Don't have it on the hall table, in the kitchen, on, this, on the windowsill or on the counters where someone can look, look in at it. If it's kept on your person, then it's very, very hard to penetrate mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. or get the access. A Faraday bag or a Faraday box, it's like a little pouch. Many people put their fobs in a pouch. Yeah. You can buy a pouch that actually makes it impenetrable. Yes, indeed, you can. And a lot of the, 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 the garages, when you do purchase the car, they provide you with a, a cover for your keyless card, and that is sufficient. And again, once you take all the precautions, there's no fear of your car being intercepted or these individuals getting into the car. Far more commonplace, of course, is the key, the actual key that has buttons on it and you press the button as you approach the car and that opens the car and you walk away. You can you can lock the car. That signal can be intercepted. Well, I, I would probably contradict you there, PJ. While it, it can happen, people can be a small bit careless by leaving their, would you believe, their keys in the car. Right. They walk away and don't check to make sure the car has been locked. You know, we, we come across things the whole time where they say, I was fully sure I'd locked it when I walked away. Hmm. Uh, and it hasn't been. We've had cases where people leave the spare car key in the car and it won't lock in because there's a key within the car itself. I suppose locally here in Cork, individuals that take part in these activities aren't that sophisticated and are not using sophisticated devices. Oh. Um, I would argue that in the last month, while we've seen an increase in thefts from vehicles, in the vast, vast majority, when the guards go to the house to take the details and record what has been taken, the car has been left open. These individuals pick an estate and have been observed on CCTV cameras coming through estates, going from house to house, finding a, door, a car that's open and then proceeding to go in and go through it. And you'd be surprised, because people still leave cash wallets, cards, laptops, handbags within their cars, no matter how many times, I suppose, we, we encourage the people, the general public, to, to be aware of that and lock their vehicles when they leave in the evening time. But you'll see them on the CCTV coming to a car that's locked and they move on. They don't want to draw attention to themselves and why would you, when you know the next car down is going to be possibly open? Uh, focus on that for a second, Michael, because if I've taken one call in the last 12 months from a person whose car was stolen, I've taken a dozen, and not a single one of them would say to me, well, I did leave the car open. They were convinced they had locked the car. Well, I suppose the facts don't lie, PJ, and I, I'm checking our computer system and engaging with the, the guards from across the city and mm. the various detectives that are tasked with investigating these these crimes. And we get scenes of crime to a lot of these vehicles as well. And there's no sign of forced entry. There's no sign of broken windows. And more often than not, the individual said, well, there is a chance I left the car open. Um, We have not seen an increase where people are trying to bypass keys. It's recorded in the narrative of our incidents that um, the vehicle was left open and and the injured parties have said that the car wasn't locked. Or they left the keys in it. Or maybe not. Again, we have seen people locking the car but forgetting to lock the front door or their sliding door. 
then they go in and see the key in the hall table and out it comes and in you go. So the technology might well be out there and it is and it's very sophisticated. What you're saying to me is you as a guard working on the ground, looking at the records in front of you, most cars are taken because the door was left open or a key was left easy to access. You're saying really, as drivers and car owners, we invite the thief sometimes. Absolutely, PJ, and I suppose... In my role as a crime prevention officer, we're always encouraging people to be um, responsible for their own property, to make sure that they check before they leave, that they keep the vehicle in a well-lit-up area, that before going to bed at night, that they come out and check that the car has been locked. And if they have a second car and third car, like lots of houses have now, you know, they have to take ownership on that. And as I say, these individuals are not highly sophisticated. They're In a lot of cases, they're young individuals that will travel the city, pick an estate, walk the estate and um, we'll try doors and we've seen evidence of this and in CCTV from private residents where they'll come in they'll smooch around and if the car is open then it's easy pickings and they have got stuff and you know from looking through the incidents in the last three to four weeks there's cash there's laptops there's phones even left behind handbags people put it on the seat of the car thinking it's safe there and people are very busy and running and racing and we're all stressed but again, it's, it just takes a second. People, people take for granted you walk away from these modern cars and they're automatically going to lock. You know, technology is great, but you can't be taking it for definite. Indeed, indeed. You mentioned gangs, and we're kind of aware, at least anecdotally anyway, Sergeant, of a gang in Carrigaline. You're stressing to me that most of these are just young kids looking for an opportunity. They don't have this gadgetry with them. They're just looking for an open door. That's exactly it. Just roaming, just calling into estates, and they, they just pick a particular estate on any given night. They go about their business nice and quietly, and it's until the following morning when the owner of the car gets up, sees that the car that left the car door maybe even left open, um, and 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 they're they're wondering what happened. One particularly problematic group of cars, if you like, is the the Japanese imports, which for some reason best known to the Japanese, they come to us with no security devices, no anti-theft, no immobilizers. You need to take extra care of that car. Yeah, that's correct. And I suppose it it can be quite frustrating um, and they are very prone to be stolen. um, And we're encouraging people that if they do own such vehicles, that they go about putting an immobilizer in straight away or consider fitting one. Um, of course, an alarm, a car alarm is also a deterrent. But I suppose that there's various types of locking devices um, which are available, readily available, hmm. and, and they can be fitted around steering wheels, gear sticks, brake, clutch, pedals, etc. And these all help to deter, to deter vehicle, vehicle theft. There was an old-fashioned gadget which looked like a two-ended walking stick and you clicked it onto the wheel before you left for the night. They're not pretty, but if a thief thinks there's one there, They'll walk on to the next car. Absolutely. Uh, and again, with that, it, it's very visual and it's a big, awkward looking thing. And they, again, if they see any form of a deterrent that will interrupt them or stop them from getting on with what they want to do, they'll move on. You know, again, I'll go back to the point that these people don't want to draw attention to themselves mm. and they wouldn't bother with this vehicle um, if there is such a thing. And, it, it, you know, they're usually they're kind of, they can be in yellow color. They're available very readily available across the city in any of those any outlet that you go into and they're inexpensive but they'll save your car from being stolen or damaged lastly michael to sum up your point is 
for the most part, there's no real technology involved here. It's people inadvertently leaving their car doors open. But do we have a spate of thefts uh, at the moment? Yes, we've seen an increase in the last few weeks. From what the information and, and in evidence we're gathering is that the vehicles have been left open in the vast, vast majority of cases. Investigations are ongoing in relation to a lot of that. We've identified individuals and hopefully they'll be brought before the courts in the near future. But again, just to reiterate the fact that people to be conscious of their property, be vigilant, check their their car before they leave it. Um, but yeah, there definitely is not an increase in this technology being used. There are young people that are just targeting various estates. Mm-hmm. Don't give them the opportunity and they won't take it is a very clear message. Sergeant O'Connell, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for your time, PJ. Good talking to you. Uh, Michael O'Connell, Sergeant Michael O'Connell. He's the Crime Prevention Officer at Anglesey Street Gather Station. 0818969696. Yes, he's telling us the technology is out there. And yes, the guards have to keep on top of the technology like everybody else. But actually, most thefts and most break-ins are just opportunists. And when they go along and they examine the car, the guards, and they take a statement, they find that actually the car might well have been open all the time. You might have forgotten to leave the car, lock the car properly. Simple thing. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six and Emma, and the fact that her car was found and all the stuff seems to be in it. What a fabulous bond between mother and daughter. Mother always knows best. Thinking of Emma and her lovely mum at this difficult time. It's just the funniest thing she had... Before she talked to me Wednesday morning, she'd spoken to the nurses and doctors at Marymount and said, would you make sure she can't listen to 96FM? They'd retuned the radio to Lyric. They'd taken her phone away from her. They'd done their level best to make sure she wouldn't hear Emma on the phone to me on the opinion line on Wednesday. And sure, as Emma learned, you can't fool your mother. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. Kinsale Tennis Club will be hosting a fundraising table quiz on Friday the 23rd of February at Acton's Hotel Kinsale at 7pm. Teams of four and funds raised will go towards the Enjoy Tennis programme. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. See there during the week where Simon Harris, the Minister for Higher Education, has been given a budget of three quarters of a million euro to try to attract tradespeople, Irish tradespeople, back from around the world. They're in... America, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the UK, hundreds of them, if not thousands, uh, working in construction. And Simon Harris has now been given a budget to launch a campaign to persuade some of them to come home. Good luck with that, Simon, and we'll see how it works. But it's not a few hundred we need, it's a few thousand we need. And we've talked uh, here on the programme repeatedly, and I think increasingly over the last couple of years, about the need to generate our own pool of new construction people, newly qualified apprentices. We've we've a huge shortage of people going into apprenticeships. Kieran McCarthy joins me from KMC Homes and Builders in Cork and Limerick. Uh, Kieran, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. This idea of Simon Harris or this money he's been given to attract people home from 
the States and from Oz and from Canada and wherever you have in yourself. That's one thing. What we do, don't we, have a huge shortage of young people going into trade apprenticeships. A hundred percent we do, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge problem and it's been it's been with us for a good ten years now at this stage, you know. Why have we shot so short? Well, I suppose, um, like, we had a lot of people going into trades up to and including the end of the Celtic Tiger. And, of course, uh, during the huge recession and the crash, effectively, um, an awful lot of people left the trades um, and got retrained or started working in factories and what have you. And um, I suppose a lot of these people have stayed um, where where they moved to. And um, I suppose they got a shock as well. And... You might have parents then subsequently going, look, is it great to be working in a trade when you can have a, an economic shock and, you know, you're, you're, the, the work dries up. So I suppose there's, 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 there's all that, you know. Mm. You point out, we don't ask young people these days, you know, are you, are you going to college? You say, what are you going to do? I mean, there are probably young fellas, young girls out there who'd make brilliant plumbers, carpenters, toilers, plasterers, they went into college and did something else because that's what you do now. Yeah, no, I mean, no one talks about leaving school and going to a trade anymore. It's always about, like, what are you doing next? Are you going to college and what are you going to study in college? No one says, are you thinking of doing a trade? Are you thinking of upskilling or whatever? So, like, it isn't talked about. Um, and I think we're all guilty of that. Um, so so that is that is certainly a huge problem. Um, it's not really talked about as a viable uh, next step. And an awful lot of people, well, thankfully, a lot of people still do uh, take on new trades. But a lot of the newer trades tend to be kind of plumbing and electrical and what have you. The, the more traditional trades are kind of harder to fill, certainly, like carpentry and the wet trades of plumbing and or the wet trades of tiling and plastering and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You also point out that one of our problems here is that we build to a different standard than you do maybe across Europe. Are we a bit, I know we're very regulated, Kieran. are we a bit over-regulated now? Uh, I don't think we, we really have a choice. I suppose like we build to a higher standard in Ireland, UK than they do um, in the warmer, drier countries like Spain and Portugal or whatever, because uh, you know they, they they have an awful lot less rain than we do. So even things like our roofs are much more detailed and lead flashings or whatever. I mean, you see very little lead in in, in kind of continental in those kind of very warm continental countries. And um, but then you get into our heating systems, are much more elaborate. Our insulation systems are much more elaborate, um, air tightest and all that. So like you don't really see that mu- that much of that again for the same reasons because they have much more they have much warmer climates. So. Our houses are much more detailed to build, but I mean, like, I mean, there, there's the, all the trainings there and all the all the certification is there to be had, hmm. um, and of course, there, there's great money to be made. I mean, there's good money in construction in Ireland, like, albeit is it is an, Ireland is a, an expensive country to live in. Full stop. Try to get a tradesman to do a small job yeah. in your house, and you'll know what the shortage is like. I can't imagine what it must be like with a company like yourself looking for um, workers on a decent-sized project and they're not there. It is hard, yeah. I suppose a lot of what we're doing is, is more on the management end of it, so we're looking for subcontractors, but our subcontractors um, are always looking for more people. I mean, I couldn't name one subcontractor we've working for us who doesn't need more people. Um, so it, it is, yeah, I mean, to try and find a carpenter, try and find a plasterer, try and find... Um, 
find a, a, a roofer or whatever, it's next to impossible. And particularly good people. I mean, you'll get people, but just the good people are very, very thin on the ground. Um, and as you say, a lot of them have, have, have emigrated uh, mm-hmm. d- during the recession and gone to uh, kind of the Southern Hemisphere and whatever, and hard to entice them back, you know. Is there a shortage of regular labourers, by which I mean, Kieran, the kind of fellas that do the grunt work? You have the specialised carpenter, plumber, electrician, whatever you have, but yeah. the, the, the labourer who does the grunt work, is there a shortage yeah. of them? There is, 100%, yeah. yeah sure, I mean, look, we're, we're what, 95% full employment. Um, or, so, like, there is a shortage of everyone across every sector. Um, and, yeah, across the construction sector, certainly. Yeah. Every last person, van drivers, um, manual laborers, electricians, plumbers, uh, you name it, uh, we need them, you know. For young people, and we're coming up to that time of the year again now where people will be sitting there, they're leaving search in June and... You have got a whole cohort of young people in this country, thousands of them. They're just not academic. They're bright, they're clever, they've got a good pair of hands and a good head. They're just not academics. Would you encourage parents, for example, to encourage their kids in turn to think about an apprenticeship? Would you encourage young people who are maybe thinking about what the hell am I going to do in September to think about an apprenticeship? I certainly would. And I suppose like the great thing about construction is it's very easy to be um, to be uh, a plumber, electrician and, uh, and and even, you know, five years down the road, you can set up your own little plumbing or electric, electrical outfit. So you can be a tradesman and, you know, five years down the road, you can be a businessman. So there's an awful lot of opportunity for kind of entrepreneurship and um, kind of working for yourself and all that sort of things, which is which is the way I went uh, eventually. But like there's great opportunity. And the economy, to be fair, is a lot more stable now than it was back in the Celtic Tiger era. And I suppose for parents, that is the concern. I mean, is is the is the is the, is the work going to be there? But I mean, we have a huge housing shortage. Yeah. On top of that, we have to renovate nearly all the housing stock we have because it's all out of date. And the further back the, the house was built, the, the more out of date it is. We've huge. Um, we've we've a huge amount of housing stock that needs to be renovated even by twenty thirty. To meet our um, our obligations with the EU and whatever you saw, so, like there is a, a ferocious amount of work to get through, and there's good rates there and good uh, opportunities yeah. and whatever you you know. So it's all good. Really. You know, I'm asking you for a second before I let you go, here, Your own personal story. You now run KMC Homes, and like you said, it's mostly project management and stuff that you're into. Well, yeah. How did you start yeah. yourself? Uh, well, I I went I became a civil engineer in UCC and uh, I, I was graduated in '96 and went to the UK working. Well, I, originally I worked with Cisx in Cork for two years and then worked in the UK for a couple of years. And then of course I heard that the, the Celtic Tiger was back in Dublin, so um, so I kind of came home and started working there and made my way back to Cork and kind of wanted to go out my own in the end. So I ended up staying up in 2004. So we're 20 years in business mm-hmm. this year, would you believe? So, great from that point of view. Congratulations yeah. on that. And lastly, there's an impression of apprenticeships because in my younger days, I had friends who were apprenticeships, apprentices. And there are, there's, a, there's an, a, an impression of the apprenticeship, Kieran, that it's very hard, thankless grunt work for three or four years at the end of which you have a trade. Is that the case? Uh, no, I mean you're learning and you're working, so it, it's it's a it's a bit of both. Um, but I mean, there's great fun. I mean, there's great characters on the yeah. site. I look at our sites now, and you you wouldn't leave a building site without a great laugh. 
um, you're you're up to the minute on all the sports details. Yeah. So um, it's great fun and it's a great team. You know, if you get onto the right company, there's a great team and great lads, and you'll have friends forever. So it really is. It can be a great news story. You know? mm. And you have a skill you can take anywhere with you at the end of it all. Kieran, thank you, Kieran McCarthy, KMC Homes, uh, building across Cork and Limerick for the last twenty years. Congratulations. We need thousands and thousands of apprentices. Some of them might come home for Simon Harris, some of them might take up jobs here for Simon Harris, but we need thousands and thousands and thousands of apprentices if we're to get this shortage of property and housing under control. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Quartz 96 FM The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. 96FM. Don't know who you are, Lily. Don't know where you work, Lily. They won't tell me where you work, but I'm told that Lily is retiring today after 40 years in the job. Her friends wish her well and will really really miss her. She listens to the show at work and she'll hear this message. So happy retirement, Lily. Enjoy. I wish I knew who you were. I wish you knew where you worked. I wish your friends would tell you. But you know who you are and that's all that matters. Congratulations on your retirement. The very best of luck. 0818 96 96 96 the number the text or WhatsApp is 083 396 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. I'll come back to construction and the shortage of workers. Although Kate says, my brother-in-law is a plumber. He says it's now months of a wait to get a plumber. Not only are there so many houses being built, there's all new systems involved too in plumbing and there's a need for constant training. And that reduces the pool of available people even more and there's waiting for tilers, there's waiting for plasters, there's waiting for carpenters plumbers, electricians a lot of emergency work obviously will be covered when it needs to be but trying to get a small project done now you'll be waiting a long long time for a tradesperson promise we'll come back to that the most romantic places in Ireland their list was published uh, earlier this week. Uh, the list was from um, henparty.ie. They put together uh, oh, data that they collected over five years and they came up, came up with the most loved up romantic places across the nation. I'm sorry to have to tell you that Cork doesn't feature anywhere in the top ten. Doesn't at all. Um, the top three are Ennis, County Clare, Newbridge, County Kildare, and Athai in County Kildare. Now, the last time I drove through Athai, I didn't sense a whole pile of romance there, but it is what it is. Unfortunately, down at the very end, the bottom ten of the charts, so to speak, poor little Nohoval, County Cork, lovely Nohoval, is down at the least romantic place in the whole country. Kate Hyde is the owner of henparty.ie and of course stagparty.ie. Uh, this started on 
Dragon's Den a few years ago, wasn't it, Kate? It was in Gavin Duffy and, and Niall O'Farrell invested and you've been building it up ever since, not just locally, but, but countrywide. Two huge companies out there now. It's great to see the success. Good morning. Hi, PJ. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. God, God bless your memory. That feels like a <laughs> lifetime ago now. My God, it was a very, I had no children at that stage. It was a very, very different time in my life. So God bless your memory. Long time ago. How did you assess yeah. this list and how did poor little Nahoval come last? Uh, so I suppose um, what we did was we looked, we, so we took Google Trends basically. So I suppose a lot of stuff now is done via Google Trends. And I actually loved Oval. I, <laughs> I grew up near Oval, so I absolutely loved Oval. But uh, what we did is we, we analysed Google Trends for five years based on eight key metrics, those being romantic markers, say, for what people are searching for and where those searches were happening, mostly around the country. So they being roses, champagne, wine, you know, perfume, chocolate, that sort of stuff, and looked back over five years to see where the majority of these searches came from. And basically, that's what the data is telling us. Now, I suppose it's always what you can interpret data to say as well. So mm. this, I think even internally, we've been having so many conversations around this this week in the office because a lot of these places shocked us too. I mean, even a Thai, there's a lady I know from one of my, my kids' classes, and she grew up in a Thai, and she was like, really, Kate, mm. really? But I suppose this is where the data is coming from. So there, we were in the office. We were saying there's two ways of looking at it. This is it that maybe in bigger cities is maybe romance dying a bit, or people a bit. I mean, I live in Cork city centre myself. We're all ferociously busy. Is it that you know romance is dying a little bit, or is it? And even it might tie into the piece you were just talking about there, PJ. You know. If you're looking at Google searches, is it harder for people in smaller towns to find these things because resources are so scarce out there at the moment? So, you know, maybe there was a time there was a florist in, you know, Ranifest in County Donegal, which is a very small place. And maybe there just isn't now because the population isn't mm. there. Or, it's know, number so five on your list. That's so it. And that, that's barely a, a corner. Ranifest is barely yeah. a corner. Exactly, exactly. So you kind of have to, so obviously with it being Valentine's Day, we put this out this week, we thought it was very interesting, but it sparked so many conversations around why is this data, this data, is it that romance is dying in bigger cities or is it that maybe resources aren't there in smaller towns that people are having to Google it if you live in Ranifest or if you live in Athai that you have to figure out you know, where you're going to find your, your fancy bottle right. of perfume. Or, so because you know, of all so these, that, all of these searches, all these searches then are, are becoming data because I noticed that in your exactly. top 10, God, you're fierce fond of Kildare, Selbridge, yeah, Kildare Town, yeah. Newbridge yeah. and Athai. Yeah. And then if you do look at Novel, Novel is very well serviced by Crosshaven, who have a phenomenal pharmacy. You know, our Cargilline is just over the road. The Cork City isn't too far away. So that was actually a big conversation we had around Novel that actually, you know, maybe it's just well serviced and people don't have to actually search for this stuff. But don't yeah. to be frank, I haven't been to Ranifest, so I don't know <laughs> how bad it is. I drove through it. Um, it takes about 30 seconds. Yeah. No, because I was thinking if Novel, poor Novel is coming last to the list, it obviously means that the best seafood chowder in the Western world isn't really a 
metric for romance? <laughs> no, possibly not. So we went with the traditional markers. But I mean, again, what is romance? Like, you could actually put a whole show across as a survey. Like, even the markers we picked, maybe they wouldn't be someone else's markers. You know, maybe getting a cup of tea in the morning from your partner is the most romantic gesture in your life and it's not ever going to be roses so you know the data is very very interesting but sparks so many more conversations it's amusing what are the trends come back to the hen parties mm. and the stag parties like what 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 do people do now drag queen bingo uh, drag queen bingo so yeah that is absolutely huge this year um actually what's interesting about the drag queen scene is that it was much bigger it's been much bigger in the uk for years this is not new to the uk but it's really only in the last year or so that we're really seeing it in ireland so that we have a phenomenal network of drag queens working all around the country they're fantastic and they're, they'll basically come and host an event for you for your hen party, be it musical bingo, battle of the bridesmaids. It's just really good fun. Um, so again, we, and like you know, over the years, look as you say, I've been doing this a long time. You know, you, you see trends coming mm. from other countries, and this one is very much here. Then other ones that we would have seen in the past, but are getting bigger, are like flower crown making. You know, where it's it's nearly tribal to be honest, please. You know, a group of ladies sitting, sitting sort of, you know, make flower crowns. It's classier than having maybe like a boozy cocktail. It's, it's arts classier. and crafts, isn't it? It's arts and crafts. Um, and that, that's really, really popular this year as well, really? as are the puzzles for both stags and hens, actually. So like escape rooms, the cube, they're really, really big this year. Um, interesting. Not the cube, like the game show. Yeah, exactly. So there's, again, we have uh, companies um, that we work with that would go out and sort of reenact the cube, the game show. That's really, really popular. Um, so you go in and you, you, you do all these puzzles. And interestingly, we're seeing a move away. Like, say, when I started back, I mean, Gavin and Niall are long gone now. I, I bought them out in 2015. But back around that time, it was very much your staples, your cocktail class, your dance class, your, you know, that kind of thing for an activity. Mm. There's so much more focus on wellness now. So uh, there's quite a shift away from kind of booze where, like, that you're seeing puzzle making. We got asked for bike tours a lot. Hiking, hiking really? would be coming up a lot this year. Yeah, I suppose, though, like, as a society, maybe we've moved away from kind of the boozy outing a little bit yeah. than we were even, say, 15 years ago. So, so, so start, uh, starting in the pub at 12 o'clock, watching a match and then staying out and trying to get into a nightclub at 12 o'clock, that's kind of gone now, is it? Well, no, it's not gone. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not gone, Peter. No, we absolutely still have that as well. Uh, but I suppose like 10 years ago, if you told me we'd be frequently asked for yoga classes for hen parties, I nearly wouldn't have believed you. Yoga. Or that people, yeah, yoga would be a big one. Our boat trips, that wouldn't be of the boozy variety. Now, no, obviously we do do the booze cruises as well. But yeah. some people just want to be on the water chill out, meditate. Yeah. Again, maybe back to my original point, life can be very busy. I did see a poster one time on my holidays, last summer actually, for Yoga Seco, um, which kind of <laughs> speaks for itself. We do yoga oh, yeah. on the beach and then we hit the Prosecco. Yoga Seco. Yeah. There's an idea for you now. Yeah, yeah there's, there's actually a good few companies doing that so that you can go to the beach and then do your session and then there'll be nice cushions, blankets, bit of a candle. Actually, a fantastic thing I saw the other day and I was getting on to her was now, this won't be for everyone, and I get that, but I think it's brilliant, is a scream party where everyone stands by the ocean. I can't remember the name of the company now, but they're 
heart-based, I think, and you stand by the ocean, you scream into the ocean. I, mean, I was talking to one of those people only a few weeks ago. I was talking to one of them only a few weeks ago, screaming at the sea. They go down to, I think it's Gary yeah. Lucas, and stand in the sand and roar yeah. at the sea for their own yeah. sanity. Now they're doing yeah. hen parties with that. You know, the thing is, actually, for hen parties now, activities can literally be any kind of bonding experience, but... I was making this point to someone recently as well, you know, even though, you know, we see that like the economy is doing okay and everything, there are a lot of people still looking maybe, you know, things are expensive out there. People like we see that ourselves, even more people looking for one night away this year versus two nights in previous years, there was more cash around and people are looking for side hustles and, you know, thinking even for people like who are listening to this this morning and thinking, well, I'm, you know, I'm a yoga teacher. Um, I don't have a permanent premises. What could I do on a Saturday afternoon that might, you know, bring in a few bob? There's actually, because these groups now, it's not just, like I said, about cocktail classes and dance classes. There's huge scope for, like, single entrepreneurs around the country to think of how they might apply their business to to hens and stags or corporate, like we do corporate as well. On the end of my list here, they're telling me that axe throwing I should mention axe sorry now I'm sorry Kate I cannot envisage right a bunch of lads who've been out since 12 o'clock they've watched Ireland bait Italy and they've stayed out you wouldn't seriously give them hatches at half as five and seven and let them throw them at one another. No, <laughs> no, we wouldn't. There's a really, really strict um, no booze policy in these places. A hundred percent. Even if they smell a drip off you, you, you don't get to hold an axe. But it's all done. It's actually Bali has to it, and it's absolutely That's rocking. That's a fabulous place. I forgot that one as well. It's so popular. You know, again, it's different. Let's off a bit of steam. It's if you're going on a hen party and you don't want to be playing racquetball outside or you're not getting your hair wet, <laughs> it's a way to let off a bit of steam. Another thing I saw in the States recently, and we don't have it here yet, is you can go into a staged room with a baseball bat and you can, they have the room staged like for, you know, tea or dinner or whatever and you basically trash the room. Now we don't have that here. Oh, the smash but room. Anyway, There's one in Dublin already and I think we might be oh, getting I one in Cork soon. Yeah, this is smash room in Dublin yeah thank you yeah so stuff like that you know it's just anything experience driven or that you can get a group of people together for it's fair game so it's it's unbelievable the axe throwing is so popular so popular and with actually to be honest I think girls looking for it more than the lads really (laughs) yeah yeah like everyone's everyone's wrecked (laughs) yeah yeah the escape room I'm thinking is kind of is that a practice of marriage itself I I don't know you know I don't (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we did, we had we, the yeah. we had the Smash Room guys on the on the show here, and and Demi and Darren went and did it uh, for the Saturday afternoon show, and they had great fun. And the, yeah, Kira McDonald is the lady who she wrote a piece in the Examiner. We spoke to her afterwards. How screaming at the sea saved my sanity. Yeah. So so, yeah. so they're they're having hen parties now. Watch the beaches. Yeah. The, <laughs> the thing is, is uh, yeah, hen. Like if you, I always used to say this back in the day that like a hen party and to a side party to some degree isn't necessarily an event built on booze and parties. No, it's not. Um, it, not. It's really mo- very much a gathering of your friends, your loved ones, your coworkers, whoever, just before you get married for a send off. <laughs> yeah, definitely, people still very much want to go to the big spots, but also accommodation isn't really 
short supply in Ireland this year. And yeah. so people are having to kind of get inventive and think, well, if I can't go to Galway because the hotels that are there are booked out or, you know, there's there's just so much pressure on accommodation across the board this year, then what will I do? And yeah, look, maybe I'll go and rent an Airbnb and have a scream into the sea or have a yoga on the, on the beach or whatever. And I guess people are becoming more inventive, as are yeah. we. You know, we have to adapt to the lack of accommodation out there as well. So um, it's an interesting time, but anything's on the table as regards an experience. Yeah, they hugely popular as well, and we've talked about this too, sauna, a combination of a sauna and a swim in yep. the sea. Yeah. And even for the mind, that's amazing. Yeah, huge. Um, I, did, I actually did one myself recently down in Oyster Haven, and it was amazing. So, you know, it's it's people have to get kind of inventive at the moment as well, and there's just so much choice out there. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. And stagparty.ie. Settle something for me before I leave you go, Kate, because people are mentioning here, I'm saying Nahoval, you're saying Novel. Which is it? Oh, oh I say Novel. I grew up in Crosshaven in Cardline and we all said Novel, but... I'm not from Novel, so I don't want to be insulting anybody, but I, I say Novel. I don't know. I always said Novel. You say tomato, I say tomato. Is there anybody listening to us? Is there anybody listening to us in Novel or in Nohoval who would tell us for sure? <laughs> <laughs> There's a man just on the phone saying that it's Novel and that it's a beautiful Nova, place. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, actually, that's the place to go um, when you're looking to disconnect from the world. Oh, yeah. Down to Nova. Yeah. Heart Mountain Nels, the Wi-Fi doesn't work down there and there's very little mobile signal. Or at least there was the last Winner. time I was there. Winner. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, good luck. Continue the success with henparty.ie, stagparty.ie. We think now that it's Novel. Uh, Kate says Novel. I've been saying Nohoval. Uh, years ago, I used to like to eat in a place called Finders Inn, Finders Inn in uh, Novel. Is that still there, by the way? Um, Novel or Nohoval. Let's can we can we maybe get a sort of contribution as to whether it's novel or nohoval or noho? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh wait, it's the least romantic place in Ireland, according to the survey by henparty.ie. But that's a by the way. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Thank you, Kate. I'm going to look back to apprenticeships in a while, but because it's Friday, I want to have some fun. I want to get you texting me. Maybe even phoning and maybe even sending some voice messages. Just a bit of crack for the day that's in it. And we've had Valentine's Day this week and people would go to dinner and you might even have a dinner party or a hen party or a stag party. So they did a survey in the UK, uh, Find My Past. I don't know who they are, anyone about, but they did a survey. And they surveyed people about who they'd like to have over for a dinner party. Dead or alive. Okay? The most popular people... David Attenborough, David Bowie, Queen Elizabeth, Jesus, I mean it, Jesus, yeah, uh, Princess Diana, most of the best ones are dead, Princess Diana, Marilyn Monroe, Freddie Mercury, Robin Williams, but th- th- among the living, th- the top living dinner guest they would want would be David Attenborough, uh, a fascinating man. So let's throw it open to you. I want you to invite two people over for dinner. Any two you like, dead or alive. Preferably one man and one woman. Preferably one dead and one alive. So let's go with that. Don't mind the man and woman. You can have two men or two women if you want. Who would you have over for dinner? 
if I told you money was no object and they would be at your door at 7 o'clock tonight. Dead or alive, from any time, past or present, your two dream dinner guests. Who would they be? One of mine, anyway, would be Freddie Mercury. I'd have to... I think Fred... Mine would both be dead. Freddie Mercury and Joan Rivers. That'd be certainly... I would, the Queen Bee would love that as well. Freddie Mercury and Joan Rivers. How's that for you? There's a start. 0818 96 96 96. There are a lot of jobs being lost at the moment. There's an announcement of jobs being created too. But a lot of jobs are being lost or are in danger in Cork at the moment. I'm going to focus on that next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Cork's 96 FM. The word is your chance to win free money on Cork's 96 FM. Say Listen to Lorraine and Ross in the morning and all day to play our big cash giveaway. We've taken banter bits from the breakfast show and bleeped out a word. And out a word. It's doing my head in. I must have got a second. I'm going demented with this. All you have to do is tell us the word. For your chance to win the cash. Listen after 8, 11, 2 and 5 weekdays To play The Word The Word Only on Cork's 96FM It's a very worrying time for people employed in the tech sector in Cork at the moment During lockdown, uh, the tech sector took off like a rocket And hundreds of people found work And now those companies, those big companies, find that they are overstaffed and they're letting people go. It's, it's very hard on them. There's 136 jobs likely to go at Blizzard uh, in Blackpool, which was acquired last year. And VMware is due to announce a number of redundancies in the next few days. It's a kind of a reset. Post-pandemic is one way of looking at it. Um, Mick Barry the Socialist Party TD, Mick Barry, uh, joins me. Mick, it's a reset after the boom that was caused by the pandemic, but it's very hard on people. Morning. Good morning to you, PJ. Uh, yeah, very hard, hard on people. Um, as you say, 136 jobs at uh, Blizzard uh, in Blackpool. I live in Blackpool, and I remember about 10 years ago... Um, seeing the arrival of, of, of new faces in, in Blackpool. You'd see young fellows dressed all in black with the hoods up over their head, listening to your earphones and kind of strolling through the town and some of the <laughs> some of the old boys with the dogs kind of saying, who are these guys? But they were the blizzard workers um, uh, starting new jobs uh, out uh, at the back of Blackpool. Um, but it's 10, 12 years on now. A lot of those people um, have mortgages, have families uh, and have kids. Uh, and the company are saying, you know, it's 136 uh, redundancies. We're not really going to uh, talk or negotiate about that. We'll talk to you about how we implement it. Um, and, and, and that is a little bit about um, what this is all about, because you say there uh, the, the reset in the tech industry. Uh, and I think that is part of the equation um, that, you know, it boomed during COVID and uh, it didn't carry on sufficiently. I think that the inability of the industry to, to source cheap money 
uh, with the increase in the interest rates. But also, I think, um, you know, there's plenty of evidence that uh, the tech companies feel that the workers have gotten too powerful. Uh, not that they're unionized and there's been strikes or, or, or things like that, mm-hmm. but just the, the shortage of skilled labor, uh, the shortage of talent, and uh, people being able to name their price. It's an um, employer, it's an employee's market, but that happens in, in an economy where you have a full employment make. That happens. It does, but there is a, a, a fairly uh, sustained and coordinated campaign against the, the tech industry uh, orchestrated by the, 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 you know, the big tech executives to say we have to change the balance within the industry and cut down on the power of the workers. I'm not saying that's what this is all about, but it's definitely yeah. in the mix. Well, I remember when Blizzard came to town, we were told it was the biggest thing in, in gaming software, like in the, in the world. And, and indeed it is one of the biggest. And then VMware, again, I was out at the launch v, of VMware. It was so early days in the launch. We just had an early room, an, early, an empty room with a, with a presentation on a, on a projector, but it was to be the greatest thing ever hit Balancholic. They're announcing numbers to go in the next few days. PayPal are relocating some staff to Bangalore in India, which is a huge tech hub. Half the world is employed in Bangalore. Uh, 205 jobs to go to Ireland there. What's happening, Mick? Like, it's economics. People move, the work moves to where it's cheaper to get workers. Isn't that what it is? Yeah, I mean, capitalism has no loyalty to Ireland and has no loyalty to uh, the workforce in Ireland, which have made them such fabulous profits uh, in recent uh, times. Um, and, you know, uh, for, for capitalism, the bottom line is where it can maximize a, a profit. And given the size and the power of these companies, uh, it shows the need for workers to organize. It shows the need for trade unions. And it shows the need for legislation, uh, which will give workers extra power in terms of being able to um, uh, challenge the diktats of, of the employers. For example, um, a clear thing that needs to be done now, and we've got you know uh, the Minister for Enterprise here in, in, in Cork, Simon Coveney, mm-hmm is that the government are going to have to go into overdrive and the IDA are going to have to go into overdrive to source alternative investment and alternative jobs yeah. uh, for, tech, for tech workers in the Cork industry. Well, one of the things that should be said to the tech companies is uh, there's, there's grant aid available to you, but part of the condition of the grant aid is that you sit down and you talk to trade unions and you recognize trade unions because Microsoft have breezed into Blackpool and they've said, we're not having any of that we're not talking to the union whatsoever. Um, not all, but uh, many Blizzard workers are members of a union. Um, yeah. they, they set up their own outfit called uh, Game Workers Unite Ireland, and it's affiliated to the Financial Services Union, which represents people in the banking and financial uh, sector as well. But they want to talk to uh, Microsoft about the number of redundancies, about the fairness of the package, about saying if you're having redundancies, they should be voluntary. Uh, no, uh, our way or the highway, and uh, mm. the company is refusing to even talk to people who've given good service here in Ireland for many, many years. That, unfortunately, is their entitlement under the law of the land. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it is their entitlement under the law of the land. They don't have to. Well, well maybe the law of the land needs to change. Mm. And uh, I mean, we've had governments that have been dominated by Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. 
um, there seems to be at least the possibility that the next government uh, will be led by Sinn Féin. I think the question could be asked and perhaps should be asked of Sinn Féin is that if you hold the reins of power next time around, mm. will, you will you legislate to make sure that companies must negotiate with unions? Are you suggesting, uh, Mick, that, are you suggesting Mick, that compulsory union recognition be a thing in Ireland? I am. There, give me another country where that is the case. Uh, there would be countries in Europe, um, uh, some Scandinavian countries, uh, Germany, uh, where workers' bargaining rights would be a lot stronger than would be the case in Ireland at the moment. Yeah, but is it compulsory that a union is recognised? I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad idea, by the way, but I'm thinking compulsory union recognition. Would Ireland would be a first if every employer in the country was... Com- will, like, I could wander in... A fella down the road employing six people in a cafe, you're saying he compulsorily must recognise, for argument's sake, mandate? Must? No, you'd, you'd, you'd have a reasonable um, uh, procedures that would have to be uh, gone through. So you ask me, can I name a country, right? Mm. But bizarrely, I, I, the, the country that comes to, to mind, first of all, is um, the UK, uh, in Britain and in Northern Ireland. Uh, workers have a pathway to uh, mandatory union recognition. Now, it's not just someone can rock into a job, click their fingers and say, okay, I want this place unionized. Uh, You need to have um, a ballot and you need to have a certain percentage of the workforce who say, yes, this is what we want. But once those thresholds are met, uh, the employer has to uh, to, uh, Ah, engage. Once there's a a critical mass has to be reached, like... Yeah, I mean, there's a certain number of thresholds that need to be uh, to be reached. Yeah. But it's it's ironic, isn't it, that in in Britain, uh, where you know a lot of labour laws were laid down by the Thatcher administration, which would be seen as a very anti-worker uh, uh, administration, and rightly so, the the rights of workers to union recognition are actually stronger than they are in this state after 100 years of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael It's interesting, isn't it? It is. No, it's an idea, and it's it's one that people toss about. See here, thank you, Virgil, places like Austria, Belgium, Sweden, Finland, other Nordic countries, they have a centralised union system where every industry has a specific union, and they're gathered in large confederations. The Germans had the biggest example, the German Confederation of Trade Unions, yeah, and they did a very hot because everyone's involved in like the old craft. Remember the craft unions of old Mick, craft unions that could could close a factory of five hundred people because some fellow wasn't happy. Is, is, do we want that? Well, I think there's a little bit of myth making uh, about you know strikes that used to happen at the drop of a hat. Uh, in my experience, uh, most I reported on a few of them. Yeah, well, I, I, I've I've intervened on picket lines in quite a few of them, and I'll tell you what my experience is, and then you can tell me what mm-hmm. yours was, right? Okay, in my experience, most strikes that happen are not about wages or conditions or pensions. Most strikes that I see, uh, I've seen happen down through the years, are about dignity. They're about dignity of workers in the workplace and getting a, a, a fair crack of the whip. Mm. And I have seen situations, you know when you lose your temper, PJ, I've never seen it happen on air, but there you go. You know when you lose your temper, it's been building up for quite a while, and then there's just the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. 
And I've I've seen strikes where you've had the straw that broke the camel's back and where sections of the media, and I'm stressing sections here, uh, will make it all about the small issue that, that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. But don't tell the story. Yeah. Of, of all the indignities that have been heaped upon working Well, one, one term I've never used myself and never would is wildcat strike because there's no such thing as a guy who goes in and there's no milk in the fridge and he walks out and takes a picket up. There's no such thing as that. I, I'm with you there completely. And it's the case that, you know, more so today than ever before, uh, yeah. engaging in strike action is a really, really, really serious business yeah. because of the pressure. And there's a lot of law around it. Come here, we're like two fellas rambling out over a pint. What what does Simon Coveney needs to do here? Simon Coveney needs to do uh, a number of things and I, I don't think it's going to happen unless uh, tech workers put pressure on, on the government parties. I think that's something that needs to be done. But what needs to be done is that... Um, uh, there needs to be alarm bells rung uh, uh, at the IDA headquarters and, you know, uh, Enterprise Ireland and all of those organisations to say, look, we're going to have at least, and we'll see what the number is next week, but I, I, I tell you, I think it's at least 364 redundancies in Balancolic with v- VMware, 136 in uh, Blizzard. Uh, there's going to be hundreds of workers in Cork with skills in tech industry who are out there trying to find a job. There needs to be uh, urgent investment uh, in, in 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 jobs and new tech uh, in industry in in Cork, so that there can be um, employment for those uh, workers able to put um, you know mm-hmm. bring the money home, pay the pay the mortgage, look after the family uh, and the kids because it's it's getting to the point. I I, th- I think probably a couple of months ago the feeling among tech workers was that if the package is good maybe we'll take the package and we'll be out of work for two or three months, but we'll walk into another job. Uh, people are beginning to wonder, will we walk into another job if this keeps on the way it's been going? I know. Yeah, and look, that's it's not all bad news either. We're talking about this on the same day that PwC reports 150 new jobs coming to Cork and will double the size of its of its operation here. So it's not all bad news, but uh, Mick, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be worried for people in Blizzard and worried for people in VMware and in, in PayPal, it's tough old business out there right now. 0818969696. Mick believes that the government should be compulsorily required, or sorry, employers should be required by law to recognise a trade union if enough people want to be members. If enough people want to be members of a trade union, Mick believes that it should be recognised. I'm inclined to be with him on that. Myself and Mick wouldn't agree on a lot of stuff economically. But I'm inclined to agree with him there. If you have a, a factory or or a premises or a business, that if more than a proportion, if more than a given proportion of your workforce wishes to be represented by a recognised trade union, as in a registered trade union, then yeah, you should be obliged to sit down and talk to them. If you run a if you run a pub or restaurant and you're playing maybe what? You might employ 40, 50 people in a pub or a restaurant and 30 of them want to be part of a union, then yeah, you should be obliged to talk to that union. And with regard to somewhere like a tech company, if you have 300 people employed in a tech company and 200 of them or a certain proportion of them want to be represented by a union, then yeah, you should have some, you should have a legal obligation to at least meet and talk to the union. 0818969696 some of your some of your uh, dream guests for dinner 
two guests, preferably one dead, one alive, or two alive or two dead, I don't mind. Two men, two women, man and woman, I don't mind. Jesus and Marilyn Monroe, says Fiona. Uh, my two dinner guests, Lady Diana and Daniel O'Donnell, says Mary in Watergrass Hill. That'd be an interesting conversation, wouldn't it? Luke O'Neill, the scientist, and David Attenborough, says Kate. You wouldn't get a word in sideways, Kate, with either of them. But I think that'd be good. Yeah. I think mine would be Freddie Mercury and Joan Rivers. I might change my mind halfway through. But you're two ideal dinner guests. You can invite two people living or dead to dinner with yourself and whoever lives with you. Who would they be? Just for the fun of it on a Friday. 083 396 It's that time on Friday. Time for another episode of Hours to Protect. Hours to Protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hours to protect.ie for more info. This week on Hours to Protect, we speak with Jamie Crummy, co-founder of Too Good to Go, around his app's mission to tackle one of the world's largest sources of carbon emissions. Food waste. Across the world, 40% of food that is produced ends up in landfill. This in turn accounts for 10% of carbon emissions. According to research by Product Drawdown, this is the number one action that can be taken by individuals to reduce global temperatures by 2 degrees by 2100. This is the main impetus behind Too Good To Go, an app which allows users to purchase food from shops that would otherwise have become waste, but which is perfectly good to consume. Jamie explains the impetus behind helping to set up the business. For me, it really stems from wanting to do things around social and environmental impact. That's always been a motivation for myself. When I became aware of the scale of food waste, I really wanted to do something about it. So myself and my co-founders set up Too Good To Go as a business that was able to address food waste, but importantly, empower people and empower businesses to do something simple about it. 40% of the food that we end up producing ends up getting wasted. And at a time when... We've had the hottest January on record ever. Really important for us to know that 10% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions come from food waste alone. And reducing food waste 
according to the research from Project Drawdown, reducing food waste is the number one action that we as individuals can take to limit global warming by two degrees by 2100. And it's as simple as that. We can do something which is good for our wallets. We can do something which makes us feel good, but also it's great for the planet by just reducing food waste ourselves. The app itself is simple to use and is available across Ireland, including across Cork City and County. It is a simple process. At least I hope it is. I'll try and do my best to describe it. Very simply, how Too Good To Go app works is a customer will log on to the Too Good To Go app and they'll see a host of participating food businesses. And these can range from a local greengrocer or bakery through to high street coffee chains and supermarkets as well. Now, a customer will purchase through the app what we call a surprise bag, and then they go and rescue that food from one of our participating food businesses. Now, the beauty of the surprise bag is you don't actually know exactly what it is you're going to get. It's all part of the surprise. You know, the unpredictability of food waste means that we don't know exactly what's going to be left at the end of service. And so our customers will pay this reduced price and then go to that food business and collect it. It really is as simple as that. Using the app is not the only thing that consumers can do, however. And Jamie says that there are concrete steps that we can all be taking to reduce food waste in our daily lives. There's lots of things that consumers can start doing to reduce food waste within their own daily lives. And it is important that we do look at ways in which we can do this because we're wasting 40% of the food that we produce. It's crazy. 40% of the food that we produce ends up getting wasted. And 50% of that often happens within our homes. And so there's lots of things that we can do to reduce this. Certain things center around storing our food better. So really understanding you know, the best ways to maximize our shelf life of our food by keeping it stored in the right places. And the best thing I was told was really to utilize my own freezer. The freezer itself becomes a pause button for freshness. But at the same time around storage is understanding date labels. Now, date labels themselves are pretty confusing. You know, when we go to the supermarket, we'll see everything from a use-by to a best-before to a display-till and a whole host of other different labels. So it is confusing as to what these mean. And so what I would encourage people to do is to remember that a use-by date is a safety-guiding metric, but when food is a best-before date, it's still safe to consume. So you can just use your senses. You know, you can look smell and taste food once it's gone beyond its best before date rather than having to throw it away. The other piece of advice I'd give for people is to to really sort of look at their own consumer habit, buy what it is you need and then eat what you buy. And you can also start using, a bit of a plug here, but you can start using app like Too Good To Go to rescue food from businesses. You know, you can use Too Good To Go at Aldi, James Whelan Butchers or one of your local independents around the corner. You just download the app. You start using technology to farm part of a habit in which you end up rescuing food so it doesn't go to waste. If you would like to know more about Too Good To Go or how to tackle your own food waste, check the show notes of this episode. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. Thank you, Stephen. Hours to Protect back at the same time next week. 0818969696 on bringing workers home to help build houses here. We are telling you earlier on about Stephen... Simon Harris, rather. Simon Harris getting a budget of three quarters of a million euro to try to encourage tradespeople to come home from around the world and to build here. Uh, Mr. Harris is trying to encourage emigrants to return to Ireland 
but can he promise them a place to live if they do return home? That is a fair and very honest point, a very straight point. Um, on the construction workers coming back, John and Cove says when they called the doctors back during COVID, they weren't paid and they couldn't even find accommodation. They're pulling the same trick now. And others are saying it too. Tom says, surely anyone but Simon Harris to front this campaign. Himself and Leo shafted a load of nurses who came back during the pandemic. It's a good idea. I hope it works. But please, better better people to front it. Maybe someone like Kieran, who you had on. Thanks for that. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM. Right to apprenticeships in a second. because quite a lot of interest. It generates interest as the topic of apprenticeships. But first, a quick mention. To someone celebrating a sixth birthday today, home from school, of course, because a lot of schools closed this week. That's uh, Cara Scully, six today, and at home from school. And her special treat this morning is listening to PJ on the radio. I think it's more a treat for mom and dad, for Roy and Neve, than it is for Cara, but but she's listening anyway. Happy birthday to you, and also from your sister, Avine. Uh, happy birthday to you, Roy, an old pal of mine. So, you know, we don't, we don't do too many of them. But there ain't too many six-year-olds get to stay at home and listen to PJ on the radio as a special treat for them. 0818969696, the number, the text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. A lot of interest in apprenticeships. Earlier on, talking to Kieran McCarthy of KMC about the need for apprenticeships and we will podcast that uh, Simon Harris has been given a big budget by the government to go and attract our tradespeople home from Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the USA, the UK, wherever they are anyway, but Kieran says actually yeah that's fine and if it works great it'll be lovely to have some people, some highly skilled people coming home but we need to generate our own new crop of highly skilled people uh, in Ireland and, and get them into apprenticeships and instead of saying to young people that are 16 and 17 what are you going to do with yourself? Maybe guide them towards an apprenticeship maybe suggest an apprenticeship to them and they go and train and they do the hard-nosed grunt work for a few years and they learn a trade and then they can take their trade wherever. They can take it from Donegal to Dubai. And we need good people, we need well-trained people and we need good apprentices in all of our trades because trying to get a tradesperson these days, as Kate says, brother-in-law is a plumber and it takes months now to get a plumber for anything other than an emergency job same with a sparky same with a good electrician it can take weeks to get a good electrician for anything other than an emergency do you know tilers plasterers carpenters very very thin on the ground as in there's more work there than they can handle among them and we certainly need more and more uh, workers Antoness on apprenticeships you've called the opinion line good morning morning Paige how are you doing I'm good. You think transition year, we should introduce people to it. 
Yes, you know, um, when I, back in the day, I'm not even going to say when, <laughs> when I did transition year mm. in Dublin, it was a VEC school that I was in. Mm. And there's different courses that you can do rather than just go in, do transition year and mess for the year. Like my one, I did a catering one. Mm-hmm. And I was able to continue after transition year to do a second year. So before I stepped foot into any workplace, I had two years trade, you may as well say, behind me. Yeah. And I was able to go on down to, to Bolton Street and finish my degree. Right. And become a qualified chef. Right. Right. Um, like in that school, there was obviously the catering. There was hairdressing. There was engineering. There was mechanics. Mm. There was outdoor pursuits. Oh, like there was loads of different ones. Yeah. And it gave people from, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like backgrounds that would never get the opportunity. Yeah. To go do these things. It gave them that opportunity to do it. Like if I didn't do it, there's no way I'd be a chef. Yeah. Not that I've done it for years, but however. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, well, like instead of like the transition year now, like my Casey's in transition year now. And she's bored. Yeah. You know, they don't do anything. They don't give them the push to go and try and do something with themselves. Like if they had these courses down here as well, you know, somebody wants to be a hairdresser, say. Yeah. Give them the opportunity yeah. instead of wasting a year of nothing. Yeah, even if you had the first you half know, of the year with them sniffing around to see what they like and then the second half of the year put them into something for a couple of months and give them a taste of it. Yeah, well, like, we got work experience and everything. Like, we had, it was two, two-week blocks of work experience. Yeah. And the school actually found these work experiences for us rather than us trying to find them ourselves. They yeah. kind of had different companies that they worked with all the time. Mm-hmm. And they gave us the work experience. Now I got it, like, my second work experience was in a hotel, in a kitchen, with a chef, mm-hmm. and I got a job out of that. Like, oh, for granted, it was only part-time. But yeah. it gave me the kind of insight into, this is what it's like. Mm-hmm. And chefing is not easy, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it just, yeah. it showed me, you know, that, yes, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where and- transition year nowadays is... Go find your work experience wherever you can find it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, there's, there's, and that's fine. No that's end. fine for the kids who are self motivated and, and have parents behind them that'll G them up a little bit besides that. But for the kid who needs a bit of assistance, a bit of it, it needs to be shown. Come here. You might like that. If a kid needs to be yeah, shown exactly. that. Yeah. 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 Well, if, they, if they're not given the incentive, and it's the same, like they don't say to kids in, in schools, Go do an apprenticeship. Everything is about college, 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 yeah. college. Yeah, it's true. There's no, it's like, you're brilliant at, say, woodwork. Would you not go and get a trade doing woodwork? Mm-hmm. Everything is pushed towards college. Like, mm. I've, I've won here. Mm. Um, Abby, she's, oh, she's so skilled with wood. She can make anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but the same thing is, no, you have to go to college. Yeah. You know, she doesn't want to go to college. She wants to work with her hands because academically she's not there. Well, you know what I mean? She a, can work a, with her hands. An apprentice carpenter, I'm sure someone would take her on. You'd hope, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, but that's like that's she like that's one of the a- angles she's looking at. Yeah. And 
you know, that's if brilliant. that's the way, like if they push it like that. Because mm, the in, next generation of carpenters and plumbers, yeah. and electricians, tilers, plasterers, they're all out there. They just don't know it yet, half of them. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, she, she made a table now in, I think it was transition year, I can't remember. <laughs> she brought oh. home anyway. And the workmanship in it yeah. is just phenomenal. Yeah. Like, I could barely, like, scrape a hole in, in a piece of wood. Like, and then she comes home with a table. I'm like, whoa, you know? But, like, that's the skill she has. Yeah. So yeah. why not encourage children when they have a skill like that instead of saying to them, no, you have to go to college? Yeah. Why not say to them, right, you're, not, you're going to be crap in college. Just be straight with them. Like, mm-hmm. why not go down this route? And, and, and give them those skills in transition here. You, you just take what she's interested in there, what Abby's interested in. Exactly, the world yeah. is turning to timber frame construction, big time. That is, it. You know? Yeah, but like, I personally, at the moment, I think transition year is a waste of time. Because yeah. they don't do anything with the kids. Yeah. And they need to turn it around to give the kids the incentive to want to explore what they want to do. And maybe guide them towards what, what they want to do. Because when you're 15 or 16, you haven't a clue what you want to do. You can't, sometimes you can't find your arse with two hands. But if you show them, come here, you might be interested in that. Or if they have, a, if they have an interest, you might guide them down there. Antoinette, thank you. My regards to everybody. 0818 96, 96, 96. I remember when we had a little bit of building done in Coogan Towers, uh, late 2020, early 21, in between lockdowns. It took forever because of the lockdown. But there was a lad who used to come out, and I'm thinking of a Friday. There was a lad who used to come out on a Friday. A young fella. He was an apprentice. And part of his job on Friday was to kind of clear up after the lads had been in Monday to Thursday. They'd all finish about maybe 12 o'clock, half 12 on Friday, whatever they were doing. And then this lad would stay there till maybe half two, three o'clock. And he'd just mop up and clean up and make sure that the site was nice and handy so that we could live in a normal family for the weekend. And one afternoon I was home early and it was a beautiful beautiful spring day and I made a coffee for him and I made a sandwich for him I said come on out here and have a bit of lunch with me lovely lad he was only about what, 19 years of age and I got chatting to him and I said what are you doing he said well I'm actually an apprentice carpenter apprentice joiner with the lads uh, I said yeah um, I said, they leave you here cleaning up on a Friday Ah, he said that's part of the job he said I'm a second year apprentice he said that's part of the gig the other four days of the week he said I'm learning off the boys so he said in four years and they're paying me he said in four years, I'll have their skills. And I'll have a trade and a skill I can take all over the world. And I thought, that's cle- that's a clever boy. He was prepared to come in on a Friday, do the grunt work, clean up, and make the place ship shape. That was part of his apprenticeship. What a kid. What a fantastic uncle. I wonder, I wonder what became of him afterwards. Um, he'd be qualified by now. But we definitely do need more apprenticeships. We need thousands of them. And maybe if you have a transition year youngster, like Antoinette says there, and they're good with their hands, and they have an interest in anything, like ever see them fooling around with pipes and plumbing, or ever see them looking into the bonnet of a car, check and see are they interested in that, and trying to point them down that way. And maybe a transition year wouldn't be such a waste as Antoinette said, she's a qualified chef in transition year, she got an opportunity she ended up in Bolton Street, which is a very, very um, high-quality college uh, of catering at one point, and she got a degree out of it. See? Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Your ideal dinner, di- dinner guests. 
Your ideal dinner guests, uh, Freddie Mercury and Tina Turner. That's from Thelma. Oh, you'd have some music afterwards, wouldn't you, Thelma? You'd get the karaoke machine out, you'd have some party there. My guest would be Rory Gallagher and Jimi Hendrix, says Martin. That'd be some conversation. It would. It would. The neighbours would have to be warned about the noise, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Phil says, Dr. Chris Luke and Gandhi. I like that combination. Jürgen Klopp and Bill Shankly, says Kev. Yeah. Jesus and Marilyn Monroe, Siona, with that one before Lady Di. I think, I think Miriam Watergrass Hill wins the unusual combination so far. We've got a 40 minutes left. But Mary in Watergrass Hill has got the unusual combination so far. It is um, Lady Di and Daniel O'Donnell. Now, if you can beat that com- <laughs> if you can beat that combination, I'd like to hear from you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Like that's a bit like you know, Muhammad Ali and and oh I don't know Foster and Allen or one of Foster and oh <laughs> eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Two ideal dinner guests, dead or alive, past or present, whoever they'd be, maybe even fictional. Maybe even, I've said to myself this morning, Freddie Mercury and Joan Rivers. Here's another one. Captain Kirk. Stop. Captain Kirk would be one of my dinner guests. To the phones and to far more sensible things. Ivan. Hello, hey, Ivan. How are you? On apprenticeships, sir. I am, yeah. What would you like to say? Um, our days in school, I suppose, I was always told... Uh, like they'll even search before me. Yeah. Like uh, I think ninety six percentile went to college and like, oh, this is great, and we'll try to keep that number or higher. So like, it's all about the percentile down to college was important to them. Yeah. And uh, I was never really heard much about apprenticeships, even though like I did engineering and metalwork in school. Yeah. No one was like, oh yeah, maybe you should do something with that. Or like. Um, my 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 brother went to college, so he's my older brother, and I was like, "Oh look, I'll fo- I'll follow him into college because this is what so school wants me to do." Hmm. And uh, I I dropped out after a year. What did you do in college, or what did you start to do? Marine Electrotechnology. Okay, okay. Doing an NMCI in Ringskiddy. Okay, and after a year, you'd had enough of that. Yeah, so I was working part time in a. In Kerry's, the the garage. Yeah, so then Kerry's after, garage. Yeah, good people. Yeah. After a year, I went full time. Of college, I went full time in them. Right. And tried to start the apprenticeship, but uh, it was made redundant during COVID. Okay. And then, by just pure luck, I met a man that owned a small electrical company, became electrical apprentice. Okay. And. Uh, Oh, it was completely different to college. I only went to college because I thought that's what I was meant to do, but I got to pure bogged down by the type of learning it was. Yeah. College is for some people, it's not for others. So you're an apprentice, Sparky, now. How far down, how far into it are you? So I'm a, a, a phase three apprentice. Okay. Well, you a year left or two, year, two years left? I, uh, so we're not going to fully sure. I have okay. two, two, two phases in college left and then... A bit of on-time work. Okay. 
Okay. Around a year and a half, I think. So you'll be fully qualified, you reckon, by the, what, the end of 2025? Yeah, we think around August 25. That's fantastic, Ivan. That's absolutely... And what age are you? I'm 24. Ah, sure, you you've a skill and a trade you can take the world over. That's brilliant. But a uh, completely different type of learning altogether. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Well done. I'm so delighted for you, because, like you said, you went to college because you kind of believed it was the right thing to do. You're like thousands of others. Yeah, and uh, I know a few people that still go to college that wish they they left, but uh, it's what their what their parents kind of want. Yeah. And I kind of just got lucky that my parents are like, oh yeah, sure, leave if you want, and once you have somewhere to go, and once they had somewhere to go, they, they supported it 100%. Good for you. But I know a few other friends that kind of don't, and they kind of feel stuck in the trade. Yeah. 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 Well, you're Hard stuck in college. You're, you're loving what you do, and the best of luck with it, and you'll be qualified, hopefully, by the end of 2025, and the world is your oyster, young man. Thank you. Ivan, one of my calls of the week. One of my calls of the week. There's a guy who went to college because, and this is the message. He went to college because people told him that's what he was supposed to do. His school told him that's what he was supposed to do. He was a year into it. Nah, this isn't for me. Now he will be a qualified electrician by the end of 2025 and he couldn't be happier. And there's lots of people out there like that, I would suggest. I really would suggest there's lots of people out there uh, like that. And we need them. We need them badly. 0818-96-96-96. We're still looking for your, um, your combinations. They're interesting ones are starting to come in. Uh, Chris Luke and Michael O'Leary. Mick says between the two of them, they wouldn't be long sorting out the problems in our hospitals. Adele. Now, people are now looking for the best comment. Adele. Okay. Adele. You know. Set fire to the rain. Adele. Adele. And Brian from the High B. I can't picture that somehow, but it sounds like fun. Michael Collins and De Valera <laughs> with Grace O'Malley to referee. Uh, Larry Hagman, oh yeah, Larry Hagman and Kelsey Grammer. Larry Hagman, J.R. Ewing. If you have an opportunity and you've never heard of Dallas, younger people, younger listeners might never have heard of Dallas or all they'll ever have seen was the kind of a half-arsed, revamp of it a few years ago. Go and search and get yourself a DVD box set of Dallas. The original Dallas from way back when. And sit down and watch it. Larry Hagman, J.R. Ewing, the best soap bad guy ever. There was no one to touch J.R. Ewing. Uh, yeah, Maeve says, ideal dinner guests, Larry Hagman and Kelsey Grammer. Keep them coming, keep them coming. We were talking yesterday about Benidorm. We might get two people from Benidorm in for the bit of dinner. That'd be fun too. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM Queen Elizabeth and Richard Barton, says Jar. That would be a quality conversation. You could just sit there, Jar. Give Richard Barton the phone book or or something give him anything and just tell him read just ask him to sit there and read to you give him the menu from the local Chinese and tell him ask him to read it 
Something you need to do with Richard Burton and Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Tommy Tiernan and Prince Charles, says Jack. What? Tommy Tiernan and Prince Charles, says Jackie. That'd be interesting. Or King Charles, as he is now. Wouldn't that be an interesting one, actually, in the Tommy Tiernan show on, on a Saturday night? If they wheeled out King Charles some night. Or, or anyone like that. Your two most desirable dinner guests. Uh, we are getting some... I've mentioned strange com- combinations now. We're getting some good ones, all right. We are. We are, like... I think th- the best at the moment is between... It definitely is between Lady Di and Daniel O'Donnell coming from Mary in Watergrass Hill. And this is unsigned, and I wish it was signed. Someone wants to team up Adele with the late, great Brian from the High B. I like that one. That's, oh, it's a toss-up between the two of those now. Definitely. 0818-969696. There will be a demonstration tomorrow uh, in Grand Parade in the afternoon about what's happening in Democratic Republic of the Congo, just generally known as the Congo. There's been conflict in the Congo, like, since forever. My late, my late father-in-law did time in the Congo as a soldier, and so did loads of other people, grandfathers and uncles and granduncles. There's loads of people listening to me who had people who served time with the military in the Congo. And that conflict is still going on in 2024. And it'll be the subject of an event uh, tomorrow afternoon in Cork. But did you know that we have a thing in Ireland called Miss Congo Erin? No, I didn't know that either. And did you know that the reigning Miss Congo Erin is Gloria Lenga? And that she happens to be from Cork. Gloria, morning to you. Good morning. How are you, PJ? Very well, thank you. Tell me about Miss Congo, Erin. Forgive me and my team. It's a new one on us. <laughs> no problem. So Miss Congo, Erin, is basically, as an Irish, um, from with the background of Congolese, so they decided to, you know what, make a pageant. We have Miss um, Nigeria, Miss Ireland Universe, so they're like, why not also make one for the Congolese girls born in Ireland? So... They came up with it. It started back in 2022. It's, it, it's supposed to be starting ages ago, but just the COVID came along, so they kind of postponed it. So I'm the second Miss Congo now. So the crown is in Cork with us. It's not in Dublin. So that's the thing I'm very happy to say. Yes, I'm Miss Congo and the crown's in Cork. So congratulations with that. Is there a big Congolese community, not, not just in Cork now, but na- but nationally? Nationally, yes, especially in Dublin, because that's the capital, so like kind of everyone there, but I would say, yes, we do have a big, big community, especially it's kind of divided between the ones in Cork and the ones in Dublin, and sometimes also just some in Kildare, Longford, Limerick and all that. And how many people took part in the pageant? So there were seven people who took part in the pageant, and then from there we were three finalists. Okay. Now, you, you're born and raised... In Cork. Tell me a bit yeah. about the family, a bit about the background. So my mom is of the sentence of Angola and Congolese. So she's from the two sides. And then my dad, he's fully Congolese. So they came to Ireland, I think, back in 
2001, before they were in Belgium, and then they came to Ireland, and they had my sister, they had my brother, then me. And I always ask them, do they regret coming to Ireland? They said, no, mm. it's so peaceful here. They said, this life is easier, everyone's nice, and they don't regret at all, and I also yeah. don't regret being Irish. And they're citizens now as well, yeah? Yeah, they're citizens, yes. Great. And you mentioned Belgium first. Of course, the old title for the country was the yes. Belgian Congo. So that yes. would be the first place. And then they came here yes. and settled. And, and, and you were born you were born here. Now, mm-hmm. there's a huge, as you'll know well, Gloria, there's a huge connection between the Irish military and the Congo. There's conflict in, in your homeland yes. for, for many, many decades. Yes, there's many decades. Even my mom, my parents were born in the 1970s, and even before that, there were still um, wars. And till now, it hasn't stopped, and this is how many generations. And it's like so weird. My mom would be like, I have a granddaughter, and this war is still continuing. So, and we don't know what's what stopping the Congolese government and the president to stop this. So that's where it goes into the politics that I don't really touch on too much. So I know, I know, but it's one that goes back. I, there were Irish soldiers, many of whom were from Cork, served in in the Congo, and you 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 may have seen the movie on Netflix, the, the Siege of Jadotville. Mm-hmm, There's a very yeah. close connection between Ireland and and the Congo. You were organising a demonstration this weekend. Yes, this weekend, Saturday. Uh, so as again as Miss Congo of Ireland, I was like, France are doing a walk, Belgium are doing a walk, the UK are doing a walk. Why not us? Because like you said, the connection that we have with the DRC, I was like, why not do one here and start it in my home place, Cork first, before going to the capital? So I went on to my team. I told them about it. They were like, wow, this is so amazing. Like we never had someone come up with this ever, especially at a young age. They were like. Let's go. We're, we have your back, but we're giving it to you, but we will be there supporting you. So I was like, we put a date. I put Saturday the 17th, half three, because I know there's also another protest before us. So there's, I was there's like, a, There's a weekly Palestinian yes, solidarity protest yeah. in, in Cork. Some of the things happening in the Congo, I, I see it here rape, murder, yes. uh, continuous war crimes, and that's official reports of Human Rights Watch. So, yes, we're all very, very aware of what's happening in Gaza at the moment and how awful it yeah. is, but mm-hmm. in, but this other atrocity continues in Congo. Yes, and I know a lot of people on our web, I know in, in uni, I go to MCU, they were, I was just like, does anyone know about like what's happening in the DRC, the genocide? Some people were aware of, and some people weren't, so that's why I was like, I need to create awareness also, not just for the Congolese in Ireland, but for the others also. Because <laughs> I'm seeing the support that we're all giving to um, Palestine, which is amazing. I'm seeing people from different countries. So I was like, why not create the same for us? Okay. So Congo, the Congolese people from different countries can be like, oh my gosh, yes, we have a big support now. Okay. It's this Saturday, the 17th, uh, 3 o'clock, and it's on Grand Parade. Yes, 3.30 on Grand Parade, yes. Gloria, good to talk to you. Continued success as Miss Congo Erin. And maybe we'll talk again. Perfect. Thank you so much.
There you go. Thank you, Gloria. Gloria Linga, the reigning Miss Congo Erin. Uh, she from Cork, born and bred in Cork, of Congolese descent. Uh, Organising that event tomorrow afternoon. 0818-96-96-96. Deirdre O'Kane and Graeme Norton would be a good dinner combination. Would indeed. Tom Crean and Ernest Shackleton, says Eugene. There'll be a few stories told there. Uh, yeah, a couple of more. Uh, John and Cove says, My late brother-in-law was the first Cork man to go to the Congo in 1963. We have photographs. Long, long connections. Yeah, that's what, that's 61 years ago, John. <clears throat> Thank you for that. 0818-969696. I got a statement in from Aldi. Uh, yesterday morning I mentioned that I had seen photographs on social media and people claiming that Aldi bottle tax machines or deposit return machines, somebody was claiming that Aldi machines and Aldi machine in the Midlands or somewhere was only taking back Aldi stuff. Not true. Uh, my thanks to Gerard O'Shea, uh, who's acting PR for Aldi. And who sent me this, he said, we've reviewed the messaging that appeared on the deposit return scheme kiosk. And they say, Aldi say, a container will be rejected when the product is either damaged and can't be processed or the container isn't registered as part of the scheme or three is not within the specified specifications. But this is the most important line. At Aldi, we accept containers from everybody and will issue the vouchers accordingly. All right, so Aldi are accepting everybody's vouchers. Or, ever, sorry, everybody's empties, everybody's bottles, everybody's cans. That photograph that was going around uh, social media was uh, somewhat misleading, to say the least. I'm very happy to clarify that, and thanks to Gerard. The Word. On Quartz 96 FM. Say word. Starts Monday. This is going to be so much fun. It really is. Free money, and lots of it to be given out on Cork's 96FM. You'll be listening to Lorraine and Ross in the morning and then you stay listening during the day as part of our big cash giveaway. So, something that was said on The Breakfast Show and you know the kind of madness that can happen between 6 and 9. We will play you back a clip of that with a word bleeped out and you need to tell us the word. What word have we bleeped out. Just tell us that word and you will win the cash. You're listening from next Monday morning to play The Word. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Cork's 96 FM Early in the week, we mentioned this thing. This fella in London, he was a barman. I think he owned or managed a couple of places too. And he wrote in the Financial Times magazine. I know. I know you read it every day. His name's Nate Brown. And he wrote about Guinness. And he said that there was no need, no need, to do Guinness in two stages, to pour Guinness in two stages. He said it's just a little marketing trick to convince you that you need to pour Guinness in, in, two, in two stages. Um, my first question for that one was, well, why do Beamish do it? Why do Murphy's do it? 
Why do loads of other craft stouts around the world all do a two-stage pour? And that Ireland's Edge, which is gone now, when that was out there for a while, they do it in two stages. Even your man McGregor has a stout now. Conor McGregor has a stout. They do it in two stages. So I had me doubts about what Nate Brown was saying. And indeed, the Guinness Storehouse, and they should know, they should know, they said the stout should be poured at a 45 degree angle into the glass until the pint glass is about three quarters full. Then it should be let settle and tip up the rest of the glass to get the dome head that we all know and love so well. So there it is, the Guinness Storehouse. Nate Brown, nah, nah. Oh, wait, one day, 96, 96, 96. One of the best bits of fun I had uh, as a DJ years ago, back in the day, I used to do a lot of student stuff. And I used to love doing the Surgeon Noonan Ball because it was a great event and great fun and great crack and great money being raised for a superb charity effort, which is, this is the medical students of UCC and they get together under the guise of the Surgeon Noonan Society and they raise money for hospitals in Africa and they raise hundreds of thousands of euros. They have managed to secure for a raffle a very, very unusual garment. More on that in a second. Garrod Morgan, uh, Garrod Morgan O'Brien is the current chairperson of the UCC Surgeon Noonan Society. Garrod joins me, as does Shannon Cotter, who found and located this most unusual item for their auction this week. I'll come to you in a second, Shannon. But Garrod, I do remember... DJing years ago at the Surgeon Noonan Dinner. It was always a great society doing great work. Tell people about it. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, PJ? Thanks very much for having us on. Um, yeah, so the Surgeon Noonan Society, as I said, it's a, it's a great charity. We're a fully registered charity um, run by medical students at UCC. It was set up in the mid-70s to commemorate uh, Tim Noonan. He was a medical graduate who spent much of his life over in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, so I suppose we're just continuing on his legacy, raising as much money as we can. We go over every June. Right. We're going over right. again this year. Oh, really? And, and how long do you spend there then? How many people go? Uh, so there's 33 of us going this year, spread across eight different hospitals. Um, and we're going for six weeks. So we're, we're leaving the last week of May um, and six weeks from there. And do you bring your medical skills or over or what do you um, do? Yeah, so we're, so we're still only in fourth year in, in UCC. So we go over, we complete our elective placements there like we would in CUH or the Mercy or anywhere else here. Um, so we're still very much learning off the, the doctors over there um, who are all very skilled as well. Yeah. Um, so we go over and we, we learn from them. And then I suppose our way of giving back is we raise as much money as we can during the year um, and we do everything for them over there. I imagine that the medicine that you see on the ground in Zambia or Kenya or Malawi is a bit different than what you'd see out in CUH. It's a whole learning experience. Yeah, it is. It's a brilliant learning experience. Um, so I haven't been before. I'm going for the first time this year. But from, from what I've heard, um, it's completely different than here, I suppose. It's just night and day in terms of the facilities and the equipment they have. Um, so it's a brilliant learning experience. It's very, it's very, very good. Exciting. Now, you, you do raffles as part of your fundraising every year. And you've often been known to raise 100,000, which is brilliant. Uh, and you get unusual items. Stay there, Garrod. Uh, Shannon Cotter, you got Paul Meskell's GAA shorts from normal people. How on earth did you manage that? Morning, Shannon. 
Uh, hi, TJ. Thanks so much for having us on. Um, so it was just a bit of a story where a family friend of my family, they are also a family friend of Paul Mesco's family, and they'd done something similar for Charity Raffle before. And um, basically, as part of the society, um, I'm one of the members of the committee. We have to do these mini events where you're kind of um, like your minimum target is about 500 euro and I just texted them and I was like, um, hi, I know you did this raffle um, uh, about a year back with Paul Mescal Shorts because um, you asked his family, is there any chance that um, we'd be able to do that for, for us too, just as we're a charity and we do try to raise as much as we can each year? And um, I didn't hear anything back for a few weeks, but it was just sort of like, oh, leave that to me. And then um, by January, Suddenly, there was a pair of um, Quirk GA shorts signed by Paul Mesco in my house. So um, it was like it, it definitely was an unusual way of getting them, but um, and it was a great surprise as well. But it's been doing so, really well so, so far. These so these are shorts with the Cork crest on them, and Paul Mesco has signed them. Yeah, I don't know how he felt about that, but <laughs> we have them anyways, at least. <laughs> that's that's brilliant. So that that'll be the raffle item. Uh, when is your event? When is your when are your your fundraisers? Um, so the deadline for this one is the 15th of March, so there's still plenty of time to enter. Now, we've been quite lucky as well. Um, we basically contacted some Paul Mescal fan pages on Instagram just as I sort of run a film podcast. And we've done giveaways with Paul Mescal items before. I actually met Paul Mescal last year, and he just signed some things for me, and I would just give them away to my followers. So we just sent them a text, and we are like, hi, um, we're just trying to raise money for charity is there any chance you would just share the shorts online or whatever? And we're actually really lucky because um, a lot of the accounts ended up signing it. I'd say uh, between the lot of them, I'd say there's about 200,000 followers. So um, the kind of raffle blew up, which was a great um, help to us. And we were really lucky that the fan pages agreed to do that. And like, it, it's just been a great one so far, but we're, we're just trying our best to raise as much as we can. Yeah, there's a picture of the shorts in Cork. Bio. Tell me about your podcast. It's called Talking Pictures. Um, yeah, so I started about a year ago. Um, it's primarily just to promote Irish film and television. Now, like it did kind of start as a bit of a fun side project, but I've been really lucky to do a lot of things. I travel to a lot of film festivals and um, I've been able to meet a lot of great actors and directors. So it definitely like was an advantage having the page for this raffle. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, like it's just been a great year overall for the charity and the podcast. So I'm really happy. Yeah. Have you have you got a, have you made contact with, with Killian uh, and to see will you know when he brings home that little statue in a couple of weeks' time, will you be able to get him in for the podcast? Wouldn't that be great? It might be down the line. I won't say too much on it, but it might be down the line. Oh, there you are now. All right, and Paul has Paul been on the Paul Mescal been on the podcast? Um, no, I was at the Dublin Film Festival last year just for the premiere. For the, it was the opening film, God Creasters, which um, it premiered in Cannes first, but it was opening um, the Dublin Film Festival last year. And I went up there and it was my first day and I didn't really have any expectations. I was like, I'll just go to the film and I'll wait on the red carpet like maybe half an hour beforehand. And if he comes, he comes. And then he actually just showed up and he was signing everything. And I have to admit, I asked him a question. I was like, hey, Paul, is there any chance you could give a shout out to UCC? And um he did give a shout out to UCC, but I have to say, probably wasn't the most complimentary. Um, he he said he preferred West Cork, so I'll be keeping oh, an eye on him. We'd forgive him. We'd forgive him that. At least at least it's Cork he mentioned. Garrod, yeah, yeah. You have an exciting few weeks ahead. So as you raise money for the Surgeon Noonan Society, 
it's it I think a lot of people don't know about it you know as a charity and what you've been doing um and did that tell me a bit finally about Tim Noonan who he was yeah so as I said so Tim Noonan was a uh, surgeon he graduated from UCC um, and then he he later on worked in Cashel so every year we actually go back to Cashel and it's brilliant how many people um, we see coming up to us and they remember him fondly um, and then as I said he worked for about 20-30 years over um, across Zambia, Kenya, Malawi um, and we're, we're just doing our best to, to continue on his legacy so as of yesterday we've raised over 87,000 euro just this year since September what? Um, and our, our, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been a very good year um, we've our, we've our ball tomorrow so hopefully that'll be another big night of fundraising with nearly 500 people coming to Road Park Hotel so. holy moly 87,000 before the ball yeah. So um, yeah. So that would, as of yesterday, and it was eighty-seven thousand. So I don't know if any money's coming in today. But um, uh, yeah. So it's it's been a good uh, good year. But to be honest, everybody's working unbelievably hard. There's another thirteen people on the committee outside myself and Shannon. They're all putting in God's work. So fantastic. All right, and and safe trip when you head off away to the uh, to Africa in the summertime. Medical students Shannon Cotter and Garrod Morgan of the Surgeon Noonan. Society. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's brilliant. And the, the, there's a, pa- a picture of the shorts signed by Paul Meskell in Corkpio. And they are shorts now. They're not jocks. They're shorts. Don't even go there about that being a different ball game. Don't. Just don't. Okay. 0818969696. Your dinner party guests, Billy Connolly and Elvis Presley, says Tracy. I like that one. I like that one. Billy, you tell a few stories. Elvis would sing a few songs. That'd be good. That'd be. I mean, of course, Billy, Billy Connolly was a very, very good musician in his own right. Still is, I am. He's still with us, thankfully. He was a very good folk musician back in the day. He used to sing in a band called the Humble Bums. Did Billy Connolly? So there you. Go. Maybe, maybe he might accompany. He's a very decent banjo player. Maybe he'd bring his banjo and play a few tunes for. Imagine Elvis doing wooden heart on the banjo. Think about that now. He won't be able to get that out of your head for the rest of the day. Uh, Michael Collins and Ian Bailey. Yeah, Andrew, that, that, would, that would be interesting. Michael Collins and Ian Bailey. That'd be a very, very interesting conversation. So it would. Uh, Mick. Mick says, my dad, God rest him, this is on the Congo. And sp- speaking a little earlier to... Gloria, who's Miss Congo Aaron. No, I didn't know about it either. Uh, we'll podcast that interview because it's very interesting. My dad, God rest him, did two tours in the Congo. He said they were amazing people, the Congolese. Uh, he was on years ago on 96FM talking about it with your predecessor, says Mick. My predecessor, God, that's an awful long time ago. That's an awful long time ago. <laughs> Could you give me more information about the Congo event tomorrow in Cork? My late dad, Frank O'Brien, fought in the Congo. Uh, it says, Carolyn, it'll be Saturday afternoon, half three, down on Grand Parade. Okay. Saturday afternoon, half three, down on Grand Parade. Grand Parade and around into, into Patrick Street, Carolyn, for that. But, <laughs> Mick, you reminded me of something, Mick, before we go. It's next Monday is the 19th. Monday coming is the 19th. The 19th of February, 10 years ago, I, w- I walked in here, sat down behind this desk and said, Jesus, lads, what do I do now? 
and the rest is history. That's it. Program edited by Eamon O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All your podcasts will be up shortly. Have a good weekend. Talk to you Monday just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM.